Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to read all the way through 14. All right, so let's read. It says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, bless the God the fa- and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every, everybody say every, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved, who is Jesus. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which is lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we were the first to hope in Christ might be the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee. He is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. I can walk away and we could spend, we could spend weeks on that and what he just said. Some of you are like, what did we just read? And let me tell you, there's a lot in there to unpack. And so uh, we're gonna get started and we're gonna ask God to make himself known to us this morning. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for Real Church and all the things that you're doing and the way you're using us, God. In our humility, Father, we ask that you would make yourself known to us, that you would illuminate your son Jesus uh, in a greater way to our hearts, and that you, uh, the Holy Spirit, would work in us so that we could live a life worthy of the calling that you've placed on us, Father all for your glory and for your praise. And Father, this morning, as we open your word and we continue worshiping you through that, Father, uh, we thank you for the blessings. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We don't deserve it. But Father, you freely give it to us through your son, Jesus. And we're so thankful this morning. We love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Man, one of my favorite things about Real Church, and you can kind of observe this yourself. If you look around, we have all kinds of different people in here. We have young people. We have old people. We, ha- we have older people. My, my, I apologize. We have older people. We have white people. We have Hispanic people. We have black people. Uh, are there any Asian people in here? All right. If you have Asian friends, we need to get some Asian people in here. Uh, there's all kinds of people in this room. And here's another cool thing. Uh, man, all of us grew up differently, all right? All of us come from a different type of home, and that's the kind of diversity that we bring to Real Church, and I love that. Some of you in this room grew up in a broken home. You grew up in a home that you didn't see a stable marriage and what that looks like. Some of you grew up in a broken home that you didn't know where your next meal was coming from. And, and, and by God's grace, uh, for some reason, that's the path that he had for you. And, and, and let me encourage you, be thankful for that. 
You can look back on those days and be like, man, God was with me every step of the way, even when it didn't feel like it. And some of you grew up in homes like that, uh, that were broken, single parent. Y'all struggled. You didn't have Christmases, right? You didn't have birthday parties. And some of you, that was your upbringing. Uh, Some even lived in some type of maybe even some dysfunctionality uh, that our world would call dysfunctional. Uh, Maybe you as a child saw a different man coming in the house all the time, a different woman coming in the house all the time. There was no stability there. You didn't know who was going to pick you up from school. You didn't know if there was anybody going to be home to greet you when you got home. And there was in the world's eyes some dysfunction there. Some of you in this church, uh, you grew up in a mixed family. You have a step-parent who loved you, who cared for you, uh, and, and your other parent who cared and loved for you as well. And, and y'all's normal uh, was kind of different from what people would label as normal on, on a mom and a dad. But you, in some way, you had a good life. You, you, you've had a good life. They taught you morals. They taught you good things. Uh, you learned a lot in that mixed family uh, that you probably wouldn't have learned if you didn't grow up that way. And so once again, I encourage you, man, be encouraged that just because it was different doesn't mean that it was wrong, all right? And then uh, there's some of you in this room that, again, in the world, you grew up in a quote-unquote normal home. You had mom, you had dad, dad was a hard worker, uh, family was stable, uh, you saw what a healthy marriage looked like, uh, and, and you one day long to hope that you can uh, show the world an, uh, another healthy marriage and what that is to look like. Because again, we talked about this. Uh, God makes this picture of marriage and how he loves his bride in the church. And so your marriage, if you're married in this room, should uh, show so much love, so much forgiveness, uh, so much selflessness that it's a picture of how Christ loves his bride. And, and if I'm honest, I remember when I was uh, 18, I went off to Bible college and we're sitting in a circle and we're telling our testimonies. And some of my longtime friends now grew up in California and they talked about the, the, maybe the home they grew up in was broken or dysfunctional. And, and the whole time they're telling their story uh, because everybody likes those stories, right? Like, man, I came from nothing and I, now I'm at the top and, and God redeemed me and he saved me. And that sounds exciting. What doesn't sound exciting is like, man, I had both my parents. They were great. I had a great childhood. They gave me everything that I needed. And the whole time I'm sitting there thinking like, man, their testimonies sound cool. Mine's going to be boring. And then right there, and I'll never forget it, the Holy Spirit just, uh, just gave me this peace like, that is your testimony. That is the life that in my grace I gave to you. And you should worship me because of it. And so uh, the whole time I was trying to figure out like, man, when am I going to add that I stabbed somebody, that I got out of prison? Like I was trying to think of all these things that trying to make my story sound interesting. And it was like, man, there, there's, there's, a, there's a special thing in my testimony that I have incredible parents who my, honestly, uh, top fan on Facebook, the top fan badge probably goes to mom and she's watching right now saying, that's my baby, you know? Uh, I have a dad who taught me how to work hard, how to provide for my family, how to love uh, my wife and and be the man that God has called me to be. I had those kind of parents. I never went without anything. If honestly, I probably had too much. Um, And and those, that's the kind of life. and, and, And I proudly can stand up here and say that I'm proud of that life. And it's made me the man that I am today and the dad and the husband that I am today. And so I was fortunate enough 
uh, to have a great childhood. Uh, and without shame, I can and gladly say that. So my parents, they taught me what was right from wrong. My parents taught me had to have good morals. They taught me, again, how to have hard work. They taught me what it meant to be committed to one another. I saw my parents' marriage go like this, but guess what? After 30 years, they're still married after all the hardships that they've went through. And so uh, they, they, they taught me how to treat others with respect, no matter their status or their title. That's the kind of childhood that I had growing up in a small town. Yet somehow, in my younger days, uh, I would think this, that somehow now I'm preaching and teaching and leading a church. Uh, because, and, and now I understand that because of sin, right, everyone's born into sin, that we're messed up people. We are messed up people. And if you came in this room this morning thinking that you're not messed up, let me pop your bubble and tell you, you're a little messed up in some way, right? You, you have some thoughts that you wouldn't want to put up on this screen, right? You've done some things that you wouldn't want to put up on this screen. Here at Real Church, to be real, we say, man, that's okay because Christ still loves us. And so I, I say that because I look back and in my teenage years, uh, man, I was a selfish kid. How many of you, your parents told you that you were a selfish kid? I was so selfish. I remember going to like, uh, I think it was Texas Roadhouse, um, and at, back then you didn't get appetizers, right? Mom, and you didn't even think to ask for an appetizer. And for some weird reason, they decided to get some appetizers, some cheese sticks. And I was pumped. I was like, oh my gosh, like this never happens. And of course, appetizers only have like four cheese sticks. Well, there's four of us in the family. And so actually there were six cheese sticks. And so of course I'm the kid. I did the math like, all right, everybody gets one. And then there's two up for grabs. So I'm either going to eat the first cheese stick really fast or... I can do this. And I picked up another stick and I licked it because I selfishly wanted it. I was selfish, man. And that was like growing up that I don't know. My parents didn't teach me that. That was my sinful nature, right? It was natural to me to be selfish. Another thing, man, I was prideful. My wife may say that I still struggle with this, but I was a prideful, arrogant little punk. I was never wrong never wrong. My sister, the other day, we went to go visit my family last week, and my sister said that she ran into who are still our neighbors that when we were kids, um, she was introducing our neighbor to my wife, and my neighbor said, oh yeah, when he was, he was never, my kids didn't like playing with him because he was never, he never lost. He cheated. He, he, he made sure he won, and he was never wrong, right? And the neighborhood kids, like the next day they would hang out with me, and then I would cheat again. Like, I don't know but I was prideful. So I was selfish. I was prideful, man. And I was deviant. How many of you were deviant children? Don't, even if your kid's in here, it's okay to raise your hand. You were deviant. I was deep. I remember sitting in the back row at church and when worship started, me and my buddy would sneak out of the church and he lived about a block away from the church. And we would go and we would go hang out and watch sports center and chill and watch a movie. And we had somebody at the church text us, Hey, they're in the altar call. You should head back. And so we would go back, we would sit in the back row like we were there, and we were good. Nobody knew. And then finally one day, uh, a lady on the worship team says, where do y'all go every Sunday? And we were like, oh my God, we, we go to the children's area to serve. And, and uh, eventually we got busted. I remember parking, because my, my dad, uh, he caught on to my games. I thought I was good, right? Our kids think they're good, but they're not good. Uh, I remember parking my truck at youth group 
on Wednesday nights at the church, and then I would leave, and I would go gamble with my friends at a house who was a family member. <laughs> like, and, and I remember, like, I was just deviant. I was a deviant kid. I was licentious. My sexual purity was not important to me. I didn't have anybody, uh, my parent, uh, if you're a parent, don't let this be a taboo thing in your home. Do not let it be a taboo thing in your home. And, and uh, in our world, this was a thing that you were just like, it was untold, like, you, you better not be having sex, right? Like, you better not be doing that. But it wasn't important to me. And so I didn't live a life uh, uh, of glorifying God with my body and my actions and looking uh, at others the same. I was selfish, deviant, and licentious. Those are the things. That's who I was before I came to Jesus. We went to church here and there, um, but we were never like plugged in. We didn't get into small groups. We didn't. Uh, we we just were one of those families. Like, man, this is what you're supposed to do, right? You're supposed to be there so that people can see that you're at church and that you can check that off and that you could leave here feeling good that you woke up a little earlier than everybody else and that you came to church and you're better than everybody else. That's kind of the, the idea that, man, it's just something that we did. And so the way I viewed God wasn't through the lens of Scripture and who He was, but I viewed God in, in a kind of way that I made up Him to be in my head. And that kind of God was boring. That kind of God wanted to, he was a, a party pooper. He was killjoy, right? He, he didn't want me to have fun. And so this is the kind of view that I, have on, uh, that I had on God that, man, he doesn't want me to experience fun and life and live it to the fullest. He wants me to be this boring little kid and, and with my hands and I listen and, and that's, that's the picture. And some of you have that kind of picture of God. Kind of like what Raul said, you think he's just like this parent sitting in the sky, like just disappointed every time you wake up, like, really? Like, do better. You can't wake up better than that? Like, you, you can't be better? And you have this picture of God and, and his view of you that way, that he's just disappointed in you and that every waking moment, you are just a disappointment to God and you are not, you are a child and he loves you and he cares about you. He forgives you. And that's the kind of view you should have. But I didn't have that. I wanted to enjoy my selfish life. And the Bible actually says that for a season, sin is pleasurable, that it's fun, right? Sin is fun? Am I the only one that thinks sin is fun? I'm going to go find another church. <laughs> sin, the Bible says it's pleasurable for a season. But then there comes a time that one day you will wake up and you'll say, there has to be more than this. There's got to be more than this. There's got to be more to my life than just doing what I'm doing. Everybody will come to that point in their life. And for me, that point was when I was 15 years old. I was at a church camp in Durango, Colorado, uh, sitting, I, I remember I got sick that day. I didn't get to go to services. Uh, and my youth pastor came and got me because we gathered as a youth group. I was feeling better after I took a nap. And I remember walking into the room where we kind of debriefed as a youth group. And I remember that night was different because I walked in and the worship music was going and people, kids were praying for one another. Uh, and, and I just walked in and immediately I know that God's grace in my life finally came. It's like the light bulb went off in my head. And if you are a Christian, 
you remember that experience in your life where it finally just clicked. Not this, I'm gonna be better, I'm gonna try harder, do better, be a better person. No, I remember when the light bulb went off thinking, man, God has been so good to me. He has been so good to me and he's been chasing me down. I, I ended up in this youth group because my friend invited me. That's why yesterday, if you got the text message, your friends and your coworkers, they are waiting for you to invite uh, them to church because there's some anxiousness, anxiousness there. There's some fear there, like, ah, the new people, I don't know, they might look at me weird. And, and, and they're just waiting for you to invite them because that could change the course of their life. And so my friend invited me to youth group and it changed me forever when I walked in. It was so overwhelming, I had to leave the room and I remember sitting on a rock outside by myself and I said, Jesus, my life is yours. I didn't have a pastor praying for me. I didn't have anybody laying hands on me. I didn't, nothing was, I just sat on this rock and I remember telling him, my life is yours. Whatever you wanna do with it, whoever you want to serve through me, I want to lay my life down for you. I was a 15-year-old kid. I came back and I was a 15-year-old kid, right? We talked about how God's grace, he's doing a deep work over a long period of time in communion. And that's what, man, God had to do some work in my life. There had to be some things that I had to let go, some people I had to forgive, um, things that I needed to change. But it was all rooted because of this light bulb that went off like, man, he is that good. He's been that patient with me. Some of you have been running from God. You've been running from church. You've been running from uh, people in your life who want good for you. And if right now you could just think, man, he has been so good and he's been so patient. I don't deserve, my spouse should have left me years ago as much headaches as I've given them. My children should hate my guts the way I've spoken to them. But yet he still loves me and he's been patient with me. And he's been that with you. He's cared for you, he's loved you, he's never forsaken you, and he's been there every step of the way. And in that, you should see how big his love is for you. But, and this is what the first couple of, th th this first part of Ephesians that we read, it is all a praise to God and how big and how good his grace is for you and for me. That, if we go back and read that, we won't for the second time, but you go read that again this week. And it, and it talks about, man, he chose you. He loved you. He redeemed you. He forgives you. He cares about you. And in that, it should cause you to sit, what we talked about last week, but it should cause you to say, man, God, you are so good to me. You've been so patient. But here, here's what happens. I'm gonna get some help. Uh, hey, Lance and Josh, can y'all grab this ladder for me? This is what happens though. This is kind of what happened to me. And I kind of talked about this in the church world uh, where we go from lying and being dead in our sin to walking. We skip this whole sitting thing in our Christian walk. And some of you wonder like, yeah, I've kind of tried church. I've tried serving. Uh, but but it, it kept, eventually it ran out. Like I got tired of it, all right? And it's because I, I believe that um, we, we turn our eyes from the cross of Jesus and his finished work for us, we turn our eyes from that to a ladder. 
And so we read Ephesians, it's like, man, he chose you, he predestined you, he called you. Uh, all these things that he did for you in Christ. And because of that, you are a child of God. All of that was done by him, not you. This is not anything you attained. He freely gave that to you. And when that light bulb goes off for you and you confess him as your Lord and Savior, it's, it's a moment you're just looking at the cross and you're saying, Jesus, thank you. My life is yours. Anything you want, it's yours. And then eventually, though, our eyes go from the cross to the ladder. It's like, all right, I got to start doing for God. I got to start working hard. I got to start uh, making sure I do this. I got to make sure I serve at church. I got to make sure that I give because if I don't, uh, I'm going to feel guilty. I got to make sure that uh, I help tear down. I got to make sure that I, I don't cuss at my coworkers. I got to make sure. And then finally you get to the top of the ladder and you're like, "Woo! I'm a good person. I am, I, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty proud of myself. And our eyes go from the cross to the ladder. Your eyes cannot look up at the cross and the finished work of Jesus if you're too busy climbing your ladder, looking down at other people. Because that's what happens, right? You're proud of yourself. You're patting yourself on the back. But this position shows now I think I'm above everybody and I'm just better than you. I'm not more spiritual and I pray more and I read more. And you start, stop focusing on what Paul just said in Ephesians 1, that God did everything. You didn't do anything. The only thing you did was brought your sin to the table. And God did the rest of the work. And I love this, and, and I wish I could get into it, but we see God the Father sending the Son because it says over and over, in Christ, in Him. It continues to reference that. But it says, God the Father in Christ, by, in verses 14 and 15, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here at Real Church, we believe in, we, we are tr what they would call Trinitarians. We believe that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all God. They're all one, and they're all God. And that's a concept that, and a mystery that I cannot honestly unpack for you. Uh, sometimes I wrestle with it, and like, man, I just don't understand how God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're all God, but it's one person, I just know that that's a beautiful mystery that one day I'm going to understand on the other side of heaven. But so that's one thing we can see in Ephesians. But we stop depending on, we stop looking at the finished work of Jesus. We stop depending on the work of the Holy Spirit. We rely on our own willpower and we get here and we find ourselves. And guess what? I remember, and it was like this Wednesday night, uh, we were in our real group and we were talking and we were sharing and we were just kind of focusing again, focusing on Jesus and the cross and what he did for us. And then last week, man, if you can't tell, um, real church is growing. There, the more people are coming, uh, people are serving, people are giving, like people's lives are changing. And, and man, that is so exciting to me. We put out every black chair that we have. Last week, we were pulling out chairs because we left some on the racks. And God's doing something special here. And I remember we, we packed up, we're finishing, and, and we're leaving, and I get in my truck, and my, we were headed to a, a birthday party. And immediately, it's so easy, it's crazy how easy it is to end up up here. And immediately I'm driving down Garfield, and we were headed to a lunch, uh, lunch birthday party, and my wife sent me to the store to go get some gift cards 
And before I know it, I'm in the Best Buy parking lot, and I'm like, how the heck did I get here? What in the world? Why am I at Best Buy? And for a moment, I started to think on my way, on my drive down Garfield, I started to think, man, you did pray a lot more this week, and you told the church that you did. You studied a little harder. You prepared your message a little better. And immediately the Holy Spirit convicted me and said, no, 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 no. Do not get this. Do not let this boast you up. This, Jesus says in the word, I will build my church. And every day I, I have to tell myself, man, it's incredible that God uses broken people like me to communicate his love for people. And, and I was just humbled because I ended up here. And as soon as the Holy Spirit convicted me, it's like the, the Holy Spirit in my spirit brought me back down. And I was sitting in the Best Buy parking lot thinking, man, God, you're so good. I don't, I don't deserve this. There's nothing special about me and my wife. There's nothing incredible. Uh, I'm not the best communicator. And God was like, you're just a tool. And if you continue just to allow me to use you, that's all I want. Some of you in here, man, God wants to use you so badly. But you just keep patting yourself on the back, thinking that everything in your life was built upon your hard work, your determination, your ability to work is only because of his grace. And so every day, man, remind yourself, I can't end up up there. I, ha I, I can't look up at the cross if I'm up there. I look down on others when I'm up there. But when I'm down here, I'm humble. And you shouldn't be able, you shouldn't have to tell people that you're humble, right? That kind of defeats the purpose of humility. But it says that God will give grace to the humble. He will, if you want grace in your life, man, some of you need to be humble and just look at the, how do you do that? You look at the cross and you say, thank you. It's only by your doing. And that's what we see in Ephesians. Guys, if you can get that letter, thank you. So how, what, when we look up at the cross, here's a couple of things that we're going to see and that we see in these passages. Number one, what is the, fir the first thing we see uh, in Paul's letter is what some would might just read over. Some would look at it and be like, oh, I'm just saying what's up to the people. And at the very end of, uh, in verse two, he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, it's easy to read that and may think, oh, he's saying hi. But man, right there in the beginning of the letter, we see the essence of the gospel, the essence of the good news. You see, grace to you. Grace is the essence of the gospel. It's the root of the gospel. His love for you, the, un, the undeserved, unmerited, undeserved love for you is called grace. And that is the root of what we believe as Christians. And the fruit of that, he goes on, he says, peace from God. If you don't have peace in your life, it's because you're not recognizing the grace in your life. If your life seems chaotic, if work seems chaotic, your kids seem chaotic, and you don't have this sense of peace when you lay your head down at night, it's because you're not recognizing the grace that he's placed in your life. You need to get your eyes on the cross because if you can see that the root of the gospel is grace, man, you can't help but to have peace in your life. 
And so we see that. And then we go on and we see the first thing that he says about God is that he blesses you. He blesses you. I don't know about you, but as humans, uh, we typically bless people only based upon what, we, what they do for us. Oh, you did this for me. I want to bless you. But we didn't do anything for God. And the first thing he does is says, I want to bless you. What a loving father. What a loving father. The Bible says that if you and I as earthly fathers know how to give good things to our children, how much more does he want to give us? Now, this is very, uh, there's so many ways, and I want to spend too much time on here, but too many times Christians believe that that's a material blessing. In the Old Testament, if you read, in the Old Testament, God promised a lot of material blessing. If you do this, I'll give you uh, lots of land. I'll, I'll, I'll make you king of, of a lot of people. I will, make, I will increase your land. I'll give you tons, uh, tons of animals. And that is what we saw in the Old Testament. We saw a lot of material blessing. Now, please don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying God doesn't want to bless you with stuff. But notice that Paul, over and over in this letter, he says, spiritual blessing spiritual blessing. Some of you have been so focused on what you can get from God, man, you're missing the goodness underneath of it all. Don't get caught up in what, God's not your genie. God is so much bigger than that. And Paul over and over says, there's a spiritual blessing in that. What is it? He chose you. He blessed you by choosing you. Wait a minute, Pastor Carlos, didn't I choose God? Yes, you did. But you wouldn't, the Bible says the only reason you love him is because he loved you first. So he chose you. I don't know if you remember being a kid on the playground, everybody's lining up, uh, and, and you were chosen. That made you feel something, right? Like, you want to choose me? Like, I'm not that great at basketball. I'm not, I can't kick a kickball very far. You want to pick me on your team? Right? There's something special about being chosen. When you think about your spouse's love for you every day, I think, man, Adriana could have, she is an incredible, if you know my wife, you know how incredible she is. And she chose me. Like, you could have done better, babe, but I trapped her. I don't know how, but I trapped her. There's something special about being chosen. And when you sit and think about God choosing you and you gave him no reason to, man, that makes, that, that, that does something to you. That changes the way you live your life. So number one, he blessed you, and and the way he blessed you is, number one, he chose you. He chose you. The second thing, the Bible says he predestined you. All that means is that before the foundation of the world, he knew you. He knew exactly who you were. You didn't happen by accident, by chance, no matter what anybody's ever told you, but he knew you. He knitted you in your mother's womb, and he predestined you before the foundation of the world to be his child. So not only choose you, but he chose you before anybody ever knew you. Again, it should do something to you. What, he, did, what did he choose you? What did he predestine you for? To be a child. He adopted you. Man, by God's grace, uh, one day I pray that we have, real, including my family, I pray that Real Church is adopting kids left and right because there is a need for adoption. We have families in here who have adopted adopted children, but if you, if you were adopted, raise your hand. One of our staff pastors right here in the, in the middle, one of our staff pastors was adopted. 
Raise your hand if you adopted before. Right here. And, and she could probably come up here and tell you what kind of blessing that has been in her life. And let me tell you, that is the greatest picture of what God does for us. He says, you know what? You are fatherless. You are messed up. You are broken. You are weak. And I choose you, and I want you to be my child. I want you to be my son. I want you to be my daughter. And typically, when broken, weak people, they're like, ah, they, they start making excuses. They start belittling themselves and they start making these things about themselves that they believe in that others have made them to believe and God's like man I don't care about any of that you're mine you are mine and I love you he chose you he he destined you uh he destined you to be a child because he adopted you and he says the bible says he lavishes his grace on you that, that, that means he never stops loving you all the time he's just giving grace to you the fact that we're sitting here, standing here, and breathing is his grace. That's why the Bible says, whatever you do, whether eat or drink, do it all unto the glory of God. So everything you do, when you're brushing your teeth, God, I love you. My breath may stink this morning, but I love you, God. When you're in that pickup line and somebody, they're not doing what they're, oh my gosh, God, I'm going to love you. <laughs> I'm going to do everything for your glory. Why? How can I do everything? Eat and drink everything? Because he chose you, destined you, and he adopted you, and he gives you grace. And that, it's like it causes you to want to do everything for his glory. And then here's the thing. Too many Christians, and we actually got into this in our real group this Wednesday. Um, everybody asks this question, man, what's my purpose in life? What am, what, what's God's will for my life? What am I supposed to be doing? Right? And here's the cool thing. God made his will known to his children. He, if you're a child, you know his will, and that is to unite all things to Christ. Why is he working and doing surgery uh, on the inside of you and something? Because it's uniting you with Christ. It's not making you a better, it's uniting him, uniting you with him. And that's his goal is to, at the very end, when Jesus comes back, that's why the Bible says that every knee will bow. Whether you bow or you're made to bow, you will bow. And it's because he's going to unite all things to him, and God is going to say, that's mine, that's mine, all of it is mine. Because that's how big our God is. And that is his will, that is to unite everything back to Christ. Because when sin came into the cosmos, it broke everything. And it's us from God. But when we put our faith, hope, and trust in him, it unites us to him, and that is his will. And ultimately, why does God choose me? Why does he destine me? Why, why does he adopt me, give me grace? Why does he make his known will to you? Because God will accomplish his will and his plan, and that is to make himself known to the ends of the earth. And he wants people to know how big and how good he is. Now, in our broken little minds, some of us might think, well, that's kind of narcissistic. That's kind of selfish. That's kind of, that there are people who don't serve God because of this, because ultimately God saves us for his glory. It's not so that we get to, uh, ultimately, now it is, we will get to spend eternity with him, but ultimately the end goal of why he does everything is for his praise and his glory. Even in an interview, you could go find it. Oprah doesn't follow God because of this. 
she thinks that that this is not that's not a god that's not a loving god but man it's because our finite minds can't understand an infinite god and one day when we stand face to face with him we will and so we see that all through ephesians all those words if you go see those words go go underline go circle chosen predestined uh, adopted go those are important words and those point your eyes to Jesus they get them off of yourself because in a self egotistical world everything tells you to get your eyes on yourself and we talked about that last week everything is about you for you and don't let anybody get in your way but when we read that there's no way you can read Ephesians 1 all the way through 14 thinking about yourself you can only think about how good God has been to you how loving he's been to you how patient he has been to you how caring he's been to you so we see that all done by the father all of that was done by the father the second thing is this love and this grace and this mercy was sent through the person and work of Jesus i hope you never get tired of this message pastor cross you say that every week is because Jesus never gets old the message of Jesus never gets old and we have to remind over and over you see in his letters he tells the christians i want to remind you i want to remind you this is a reminder and that's my job every week is just to remind you that yeah jesus is that good he's that good and he's that loving 15 times in the first 14 verses you see in christ in him and so we see the father did all of it and he did it in him he did it in christ he didn't do it because of you he did it because of jesus and now you belong to redeemed humanity you now become family your child and these people who you go to church with aren't just people you go to church with you see them differently that's why we we push hard and get a part of real groups because on wednesday nights it goes deeper than this they they that wednesday night that real group was able uh to call and, and pray for Stevie and their family they're able to hey what do you need how can we support you create and go fund me so to help the family you can't do that if you're not in close knit community right nobody can care for you that deeply if you're always just pushing people out of your life people are important and god continues to send them and I, and up, i'm up here today to say man let those people in let them in because here at real church we want to love you and care for you like genuinely with 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 no uh plan underneath that no agenda but because we truly love each other right and that's how we belong to redeemed humanity are we getting this today i know it's it's a lot yes okay okay here's another thing that we see in jesus he blesses us right now He blesses us right now. I woke up with a, I, I texted my wife this morning. Uh, she texted she texted me about a dream she had, and her dreams are crazy because sometimes they like come to pass. And I think it's a gift that God's given. And it was a funny dream. I'll, maybe I should share it later. Um, but I texted her right back, and I was like, "Man, I just woke up with an extra pep in my step this morning. Like I was ready to go. I was excited to be here. Uh, I was excited to preach God's word. I was excited to see you and talk to you and and love on you." and it's because i realize man he 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 blesses us right now why wouldn't i live a life of joy 
if God is blessing me right now, some of you are so wrapped up in your circumstances, you can't, you can't have a life of joy. You're so wrapped up about what you don't have that you can't see what you do have in Christ. And this morning, I encourage you, man, get your eyes off of whatever you don't have. You don't have it for a reason. But get your eyes on what you do have because somebody wants what you have. No matter what you think about your life. Somebody once wishes they could be where you are. But too many times we start looking around and, and, and envy comes into our heart. And God is blessing each and every one of us right now in this room because he loves you and he cares for you. He gives you grace and he, it says that now in Christ you have forgiveness. And some of you have done some things in your life that you are deeply ashamed of. I have things in my life that may, my wife knows about, but that will probably go to the grave without anybody else ever finding out. Maybe. Because we're just ashamed of those things that we've done. Ashamed of things that we've said. The way we've treated other people. The way we acted. Maybe the way we blew up. And God is here to tell you, man, I forgive you. I love you. And I, honestly, it says that he, he throws it into the sea and he doesn't even remember it. Man, I still dwell on things that I did years ago. Like, man, God, you're probably so upset with me because I did that. And every time I read his word, it's like I'm reminded, like, man, I didn't even remember that. Not because he doesn't have the capacity to, but because he chooses to not remember because he has forgiven us in Christ Jesus. You are forgiven. Some of you did things this week. Some of you uh, did things last night that you might not want anybody to know in here. And let me encourage you, man. He loves you. He forgives you. He forgives you. And let me tell you, you're going to mess up. This week, you're going to mess up. A year from now, you're going to mess up. T five, ten years, you're going to mess up. And when you do, your natural instinct is going to want to run from the Father. You're going to want to say, he wants nothing to do with me. He's disgusted and disappointed with me. But we see this beautiful picture in the prodigal son that he will run to us and open his arms and gladly say, you are still my child. And I love you and I forgive you. And some of you need to be reminded this morning, man, no matter what you've done in your life, he forgives you. And because of that, Man, you should use your life to worship God. So we see God. He does all that in our life. Chose us, predestined us. He, he uh, adopted us. He gives us grace. And he did all of that in the person and the work of Jesus. And then we see the Holy Spirit in verses 13 and 14. We see that he has been in the work from the beginning. Some of you are here because you think you just randomly ended up here. But it was by the power of the Holy Spirit in your friend to say, hey, you want to come to church with me? It was the Holy Spirit that drew you. It was the Holy Spirit. Nothing happens by chance. As Christians, we don't believe in chance. We believe in a God who is sovereign and he holds the world in his hands. We, we, we still have free will and we're not robots, but we, uh, are, we're, we're limited, right? I couldn't just go up on top of this school and jump off and fly because I don't have that type of free will. I can make choices, and I serve a God who is so big that he holds this world in his hands, and that he sent 
when Jesus left the earth, he says, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm sending a helper. I'm sending someone to come uh, and make a home inside of you. And if you're a Christian, man, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And the Bible says that it was a promise. In the Old Testament prophecies, we see over and over that the, the prophets would say, man, he's going to send a helper. He's going to send the Holy Spirit. There's a verse in James, uh, I believe in chapter 5, it says that uh, we are like Elijah. And that honestly, uh, Elijah didn't even, the things that Elijah did, he didn't even have the Holy Spirit living in him. Because the Holy Spirit didn't make home in people until Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And so you and I, we now have that power living inside of us. The power to love others, to care for others, to give to others, to serve others, to be gentle to others. You and I have that living inside of us. And this Holy Spirit's been in the work from the beginning. We see the Trinity, what I mentioned earlier, the Father, the Son, the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. We see it in Genesis when he says, let us make man in his image. Right there, he used us. He didn't say me, he said us. And we see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all together from the beginning, working for God's will and for you. How crazy that we have a God that big and he cares, right? There, there's, there's people in our life, some, some of you have never been face-to-face -face with your boss because they think they're too important for you and you're just this person. Yet the God of the universe says, you're my child and I want to be with you. I want to commune with you. I will draw near to you, it says in James, if you draw near to me. That is a good God. And so we see all this in Ephesians. We see that God's people are God's possession. You are his possession. He loves you. And, and if we are his and there, there's so much that comes with that that I don't even have time to get into. And Paul answers how that happened, and that was by the Father and by His will and for His glory. So we see that we are God's, uh, God's people are God's possession. The second thing, God's people depend on God's will. Some of you have been depending on your own uh, will to get you through this life and get you to where you want to go. You need to depend on God's will. If it were up to me, I'd be a, uh, I wanted to be, I wanted to go into medical school and go and be a, a sports trainer because I wanted to be rich. <laughs> and then God said, you're going to be a pastor. I was like, no. But depending on his will that, hey, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Wherever you say to, to do, I'll do it. Whoever you want me to go, I'll do it. Because God's people depend on on God's will. And here's the cool thing, the Holy Spirit. We do that again by the promise of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit wasn't just a promise in your life. He is also a seal in your life, is what Ephesians says. What does that mean? A seal uh, shows authenticity. A seal shows approval. It shows ownership. And so you have a seal on your life by the Holy Spirit so that when God looks at you, He doesn't look just at you. He looks at you through the lens of Jesus and what he did, and he says, that is my child. And that's how he sees you as perfect and blameless. Some of you couldn't even imagine what it would be like to think of yourself as perfect and blameless. But that's how God sees you. That's how God views you. That's how God loves you because of this seal. And we depend on his will and that the Holy Spirit leads us uh, 
to his will. And then God's people live for God's glory. Man, if you're on this earth to make a lot of money, to, to build your, your kingdom, and it's all about you. Man, I, I would ask you this morning, man, submit yourself to the King of kings and the Lord of lords who could honestly do far more than what you could even imagine is what the Bible says. But you have to live for his glory. Raul, you can come up. Here's the problem, though. Here's the tension that we see. This comes again into collision with our world because our world preaches everything that I didn't just preach. It preaches that there is no God, that what you get in this life is what you put in. Right? That's what we sometimes are even taught. That's sometimes, some of us may be even teaching our own children that. And I challenge you, man, raise your children through the lens of Scripture because in a self-centeredness world, your children are getting a whole different message through TV, through YouTube, through all, and I'm not saying my kids watch all that, but I make sure that my children know that God loves them and that they are, they are daughters. And my son's going to know that he is a son. And because of that, man, we are going to live a life. We have this little thing right before you walk out of our house, we go through the garage. It says, the Rodriguez family will, we will love God. So anytime my kids, they're subconsciously reading that every single day when they, or at least Kinley is because she's the only one that can read. <laughs> but when Briella learned, last night I was reading through my message and I had my Bible open. She's like, Daddy, can I help you? I was like, yeah, read Ephesians to me, Briella. I said, can you read? Yeah. And I was like, one day her and Legend will be able to read. And they're going to read a Rodriguez. We love God. We love him with all that we have in his will. My life will be submitted to his will. And my children will live that way. And then it says, we love God and we love people. We're going to treat people with respect. We're going to love them and be kind to them, no matter how they treat us, no matter how they talk about us, no matter if they want anything to do with us. A Rodriguez will love them. And with authentic, genuine love, not this fake uh, love that we see all the time but with no agenda. I love you because Christ loves me and I'm just extending that love. So my children will know to love God. They will know to love people. And then the last one is we just, the Bible says, do everything unto the glory of God, right? And if I were, and it says, if you if do everything as if you're working for him. So if I'm doing everything as if I'm working for God, I'm gonna do my very best. I'm not gonna take shortcuts I'm not going to uh, cheat. I'm going to do my very best. And so it says, Rodriguez family will love God, will love others, and will do our best. I take Kinley to school every day on Monday through Friday. And right before she gets out of the car, I say, I love you. God loves you. Work hard and do your best every day. Because I want my children to know that they are loved by God. And this morning, I chat, man, I, I, if you're a parent in this room, man, love your children. And I'm not saying that doesn't mean you give them everything, but you give them, you give them the one who can give them everything. And that is Jesus. Give them Jesus. Oh, but my kid is 17, 18, they're already about, 
it's never too late. It is never too late. Your child might be in college right now. Your child might not be living in your home. You can still give them Jesus because when they come home, right there, you can point them. I'm a 30-year-old man, and every time I go home, my parents know, make known that I am loved. And I want my children to know the same. And when we do that, we get our eyes off of that stupid thing that makes it all about us. And we get them on the, we get the eye, our eyes on the one who knows it all, holds it all, and loves it all. If he didn't, he would have never sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. Man, you should get excited about coming to church. Why? Because every week, I promise you, this is my promise to you, I will never have you leave here feeling beat down by this because I don't believe that's what this does. But I promise that you will forever leave here every Sunday knowing that there is a God who loves you, who loves your kids, who, who, who wants good for you, wants to work all things good for you, and because of that, real church will praise the name of Jesus forever. When I'm gone and dead and I'm no longer the pastor of this church, real church will still be existing. And they will still be praising the name of Jesus because that's what this church is about. It's about the person of Jesus and about the people he loves. And if you want to be a part of that, man, God gladly invites you. And some of you, you've been a Christian forever. And this morning... I remind you, get off of that thing. Get your eyes on Jesus. And this morning, if you don't know Jesus and you've been trying to get up on that thing, let me tell you, it's not worth it. Because one day you will fall off. And what's easier is being down, humble, on the ground with our eyes on the cross. And God gladly invites you saying, man, I love you, son, daughter. Just come to me. Just come to me. Bring it to me. I don't know about you, but just like when I was 15 years old, when that light bulb went off, it did something to me. And ultimately, it made me want to praise him forever and ever. And so here in a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing his praises. We're going to sing about Christ crucified, because that's what Paul said. Paul says, if I have a message, it's Christ crucified. And this morning, if you want to be invited, his family into this kind of love. He says, all you have to do is call on my name and you will be saved. There's nothing, there, there, there's no ceremony you need to go through. There's, it, not, all you got to do is say, just like I was a 15-year-old kid sitting on a rock, my life is yours. My life is yours. And the Bible says immediately, you are forgiven, you are loved, and you are sealed with the Spirit. That's good news. And this morning, you don't know maybe what that looks like. You want to pray with somebody because you don't feel loved. You don't feel like cared for. You don't feel like God sees you. And we're going to have people at the front and they want to pray with you. And I encourage you, man, don't let the devil keep you in your seat. Because these people want to encourage you and they want to love on you. And this morning, that's what we're going to do. We're going to sing his glorious riches and grace. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you that you're a good father. I thank you, God. Uh, 
that we did nothing to earn this and deserve this. But from the very beginning of the, before the world even existed, you chose us. You, you adopted us. You redeemed us. And Father, I pray that out of that, out of these first 14 verses that Paul lays out, we can see how big and how good you are. And because of that, we sing to you out of our love for you, God. Father, I thank you for your love for us. God, if there's anybody this morning who came in here discouraged, beat down, ready to give up, God, I pray that they got off that ladder this morning. Because that, that's all that ladder is going to do is leave them, leaving them feel that way. But God, I pray that they leave here encouraged and knowing that they are loved by a God who holds everything in his hands. And you proved that when you sent your son Jesus Christ to die on the cross. So Father, I thank you for the work that your Holy Spirit is already doing in hearts right now. You're reminding those who, who feel ashamed that they are forgiven. You're reminding those who feel a, like a disappointment that they are loved. You're reminding those who don't feel seen that they are seen and they are loved. You're reminding those who, who feel like they are far too gone that your grace is too big. Father, this morning, because of that, we sing of how good you are. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Will you stand with me?